Well, good morning and welcome to worship here in our second week of our Jonah series. Uh, congratulations for waking up. That was a huge endeavor today on Daylight Saving Time. Now, we don't know how much longer Daylight Saving Time is going to be Illinois in Illinois, but we praise God for our abilities to wake up by our cell phones. Amen. Back in the day when we had Daylight Saving Time and we relied on our clocks, if we didn't change our clocks, oh man, it would be a tough day, right? So I'm grateful to you being here in worship with me this morning. It's awesome. You know, there was a news story that came out um, a few years ago about a 15-year-old in California who got into an argument with his family. Now, can you imagine that? He's probably the only 15-year-old ever to get into an argument with his family. He got into an argument with his family, and it was so heated that he decided to run away from home. And when he ran away from home, he ran to the airport, I think it was in San Jose, um, and he jumped the fence. He was able to get past all the security, which is astounding these days, right? He was able to get past all the security and find a Boeing 767, jump inside the wheel well of the plane, and ride that plane all the way to Hawaii undetected. Now, this sounds crazy. I'm not making it up. It's in the news. He flew all the way to Hawaii in the wheel well of a 767. Now, you might know, if you anything know about air travel, you know anything about air travel, that plane gets up to about 38,000 uh, miles uh, for its trip down to Hawaii, which doctors will tell you people should not be able to survive that, right? But what happened was, is we think he got up in the wheel well there and either fell asleep or lost consciousness and with the temperature dropping down to like negative 40 degrees below, we think that he hibernated for the five and a half hours that he was in the air, most of which he was up at that 38,000 mile range. Now, when he got to Hawaii, he woke up in time to get out of the wheel well. He was not crushed by the wheel coming down, which is another miracle, right? But he was able to jump out of the wheel well and go walk around on the grounds of the airport there in Hawaii. They picked him up and questioned him, and he told them how he got there. And scientists to this very day are saying, we need to study this young man because he could not have survived that trip. It was medically impossible for her, him to be able to fly all the way down there in the wheel well at 38,000 feet. And yet he did. It's kind of similar in a way to the story of Jonah. Because in the story of Jonah, like we talked about last week a little bit, some people might have a hard time uh, believing that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And of course, we disproved that by sharing another news story where a guy fell into a whale's mouth in just in the past year or so, and it made the news. And he spent a second or two there and came out unharmed. Um, but is it possible? I guess the next question is, is it possible for somebody to survive inside a whale for three days? Well, you know, I guess if a kid can survive in the wheel well of a 767 for five and a half hours at 38,000 feet and come down in one piece, I guess we've established that miracles are possible, right? We've established that things that medically should not happen sometimes do happen. And in the case of Jonah, we're going to get into the nitty gritty today of him actually going into the belly of the whale or the welly of the bale, however you'd like to say it, and hiding from God. Uh, and and the, the whole idea of him trying to run from God and hide. I want to share with you a scripture from Psalm 139, just to kind of set the pace this morning. 
Um, Let me just read this, and you just kind of follow along there on screen. Uh, The psalmist writes, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. He's talking to God. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And then the Bible goes on and says in verse 11, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. You could say, oh God, here. The night will shine like the day and the darkness is as light to you for you created my inmost being. Now, maybe you've heard these next few verses before. Bible says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Now, why do I share this psalm with you this morning when we're talking about Jonah? Because Jonah tried to hide from God just the same way you and I try to hide from God sometimes. But God reestablishes his faithfulness to us. Over and over, he tells us, I have made you for great and wonderful things. I have created you for a specific purpose that is amazing, something that is bigger than just the context of your life and mine. I've made you for a mission, for a job, for a task for a new life. And even if you try to run from that mission, that task, that new life, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to find you. I'm going to capture you. And the way I'm going to do it is by your heartstrings. I'm going to remind you how fearfully and wonderfully made you are, that I made you. And there is no place on heaven or earth, under heaven or on earth, from which you could hide from God. There's no place that you can hide from God in under heaven and on earth because God is not after you to smite you. God is not after you to punish you. Through Jesus, he's after you with a brand new life, an abundant life. So what I'd invite you to do is Jackie did just earlier is pull your phone or your Bible. And I want you to really seriously take a look at Jonah chapter one. I'm going to use the Bible app on our church's phone here. And what I'd invite you to do is just follow along in there as I read some of the first few verses. The Bible says in Jonah chapter one in verse one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now I wanna share with you a little nugget of wisdom. Whenever you see in the Bible, the words the Lord and all of L-O-R-N-D are capitalized, what that is, is that, in a, that is an English version of an unpronounceable name of God, the Tetragametron, as it's called from the old uh, Hebrew history. This is the name of Yahweh. This is the closest thing that we could say to describe those four letters of God's name. What that name means is I am. And anytime you see the word the Lord in there and it's in lower caps, that's a different word. That refers to God as his station in life as a God. But what you're going to see when you, re, you see this uh, capitalized version where all four letters are capitalized, that is the proper name of Yahweh or what we say as Yahweh. That is the name that you see every time those four letters are capitalized. Now, the reason I call that out to you 
is that I want you to be able to remember the name of God as Yahweh so that whenever you see the four capitalized letters, you think of him in a personal way. God has a name, Yahweh. And when we think of him personally, it personalizes the concept of God. The reason is because we have a relationship with God. He is a real being. He's manifested in three persons, one God in three persons. He's described here as Yahweh, that is his name. The word of Yahweh came to Jonah, son of Amittai, and he said, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, we established last week that Nineveh is the capital of what uh, region, of what country? Assyria. Assyria would at one point go on and conquer the northern kingdom of Israel some years later. But for now, we're focusing in on Jonah being called to give God's message to the capital city of Nineveh. And the Bible says in verse 3, Jonah ran away from the Lord. Now, what is the Lord there? Is the Lord there God's station in life or is that his personal name? It's his personal name. And you can see it if you see the capitalized letters, right? Jonah ran, ran away from, Yah or from Yahweh and headed for Tarshish. Now, we believe Tarshish might have been in the southern tip of Spain. And if you look at the map of the whole known world at that point, that's pretty much the furthest away that he could have gotten from God. But instead, the Bible says, that Jonah went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from who? Again, it says Yahweh, the personal name, right? And then the Bible goes on and says, Then Yahweh sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own what? God with a little g. It's not even the name of a God. It's just a little g God. Now, what is that? That is a God that is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is not Yahweh. You see, we're making a contrast, right? And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Now, why would they do that? Why would they throw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship? What's the purpose of that? Well, maybe the likelihood is that the boat wouldn't sink as fast or sink as hard or sink as easily if there was less stuff on it, right? So it's kind of a common way of dealing with a catastrophic storm. But Jonah had gone below deck. Now, check this out. Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Now, the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. What kind of God is mentioned there in the scripture? Your little G God. Now, why would he use that term? Because he didn't know Yahweh. You see, when you and I get to know Yahweh through Jesus, it's a personal thing. It's a personal relationship. And this guy didn't know Yahweh, so he simply asks Jonah to wake up from his slumber and call out to his little G God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. You see, the sailors at that point had relationships with little G gods to such an extent as they believe their behaviors affected their relationship with their God from the onset. In other words, however or why ever they, they related to their little G gods, they believe that their actions made some kind of impact or some kind of emphasis on what that God would do in response. And even though, you know, when we're in relationship with Yahweh, when Yahweh says, if you will obey me, then I will bless you. 
What we don't assume from the very beginning is that it takes us doing stuff in order to win Yahweh's favor. The reason why is because he's revealed to us that he loves us and he pursues us. Through who? Through his son, Jesus. Amen. Is tracking with me so far on this? Good. Okay. Then verse seven, the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots or roll dice to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, they rolled the dice and the lot fell on Jonah. So when they rolled the dice, Jonah was the one who was picked. Hmm. Coincidental? Bad luck? Good luck? Probably not. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? Where's your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship who? Yahweh. You see those capitalized letters there? The God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. He calls him out by his name. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from what? Yahweh, and it's called out in the scripture because he had already told them so, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Weird question, huh? Like what's his advice gonna be? But then he actually comes up with advice. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. He replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. How did Jonah know it was his fault? How did he know? Because he knew he was running from who? From Yahweh. He knew he was running from him. But instead, this is really curious right here. Instead, what did the men do? They did their best to row back to land. They could not for the sea grew even wilder and wilder. Now, why do you suppose they would try to row him back to land? Because they didn't know Yahweh like he did, and they assumed that if they just pitched the prophet of Yahweh over, over board and into the sea, what would happen to them? Yahweh would get ticked off and come after them because they didn't know Yahweh. They didn't know how Yahweh operates, right? Uh, then they said in verse 14, they cried out to Yahweh, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. You see what's going on here? Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. They thought Jonah was innocent, right? Even though he was running from God, they didn't understand how Yahweh works. Uh, we don't want to be held accountable for killing an innocent man. So Yahweh, um, whatever you do, you do as you please, basically is what they're saying. And then verse 15, then they took Jonah, threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared Yahweh, and they offered a sacrifice to him and made vows to him. They became believers instantly because there was an effect of throwing Jonah overboard. Now, I'm going to skip the last couple of verses or the last verse here, verse 17. I'm going to skip Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, and there's a reason for that. We're going to get into the fish a la the whale a little bit more next week. But what I want to do this week is share with you some insights about what has happened in the story so far. And I'd really love it if you'd keep the scriptures in front of you so you can scan back through and see if what I'm proposing you today is actually true. See, there's this idea that God has a message every one of us can deliver. Now, I can say it that way to you because that's the grace way. There's a message that God has for every one of us and we can deliver it. 
We have the Holy Spirit inside of us and the opportunities all around us in life where we can deliver the message. There's also another way to look at it as well. You could also look at it as there is a message that only we can deliver. That only we can deliver. Only I can deliver the good news of Jesus, the workings of Yahweh, the way God works in the way that he has worked in me. I'm the only one who can deliver that message, the truth of the gospel working in me. But the thing is, is that sometimes I avoid that truth. I avoid the idea that God has given me a message to share. And sometimes that takes me places that I don't want to go to, into the storm of life or into the unknown, into a place where I can't see what's next and I feel lost and I feel disconnected from God. It's kind of like Jonah who really didn't understand what he was doing, but when he crawled down into the belly of the ship in order to sleep, God had a better plan for him. So the ship gave him up so that he could be swallowed by what? God's ship. So Jonah was after his own ship, but that ship didn't work because it wasn't God's ship. Follow along with me? So the message in life that you have to give, if it isn't God's message, it doesn't work. And that produces storm. And that produces discord. It produces unrest. It produces no peace. But then when that message gives you up and you see that that message doesn't really have any truth to it and that whatever that message is doesn't have any, um, any life-giving power in it, like, you know what? You can determine your own path in life. You know what? Your truth is just as relevant as my truth. If you believe what you believe with passion, then it counts. If you believe messages like that from the world, you will find nothing but unrest and emptiness in them. And life will become a storm around you. And when life becomes a storm around you, that is a sign that God loves you and wants you in his message. His message is the one that brings life. And while Jonah's message to Nineveh was that Nineveh was going to be destroyed within 40 days if they didn't repent, right? Even while that seemed like a negative message to them, what it was is it was God's attention on their life. And that was the message that Jonah was running away from. He didn't want to face his enemies and give them God's word. For you and me, the way that usually manifests itself is that sometimes we have a hard time even sharing God's word with our friends thinking that somehow if we don't share it with them, they become our enemies. Maybe we're afraid of that. Maybe we're afraid of a disconnect with people that we love if we uh, take a risk and share God's message with them or coworkers or neighbors or whoever it might be. Sometimes we want to hide in the boat and not come out and share the message that God has given us. Sometimes we're tempted to do that. But God pursues us and follows us and trails after us anyway. Secondly, hiding from God's mission and looking for relief in a substitute comes with a personal cost. Now, what was the cost? 
when these guys were out rocking around on the sea in that boat that was getting ready to break apart, they were throwing all their cargo overboard. They were in a moment sacrificing or at least giving up in cost those things that they had taken on their boat to deliver to Tarshish. They were losing all the cargo for which they were going to get paid. They were giving away their livelihood in Tarshish in order to survive the moment. Have you ever felt like that before? That some part of you gets given away spiritually or emotionally to survive the moment of the storm in your life? That somehow you are losing yourself? You're losing your livelihood, your wherewithal, the spiritual part of you that makes you who you are? Do you ever feel like you're throwing that overboard in the middle of a storm in life? That's probably how those guys were, those sailors were, who were just trying to make sense of this voyage that Jonah had taken part in with. And then there's another idea that people can totally miss, like the sailors on the boat, they can totally miss, or perhaps even more importantly, misunderstand the message of God because we run from it. People cannot understand that there's a relationship with Yahweh waiting for us. If we run away from that message, keep it hidden down in the bowels of a ship that's destined to break apart. But then God follows us, pursues us, even when we hide, even when we're exhausted trying to live life on our own and we hide in the bowels of a ship that's falling apart. God finds us and he replaces that plan that we had with the plan that is his, even it's as, if it's as gross as being swallowed and living in the guts of a whale for three days. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Can you imagine what that would have smelled like? Go home today after church, open up your garbage can and stick your head in. Close the lid over it and then multiply times a thousand. That's what that would have smelled like in there. Can you imagine running to gastric juice in the belly of a whale? Can you imagine what that would have felt like? And how could Jonah have survived? Well, how could that kid have survived in the wheel well of a 767? It's impossible. But he did, as did Jonah. For three days and three nights, God kept him alive. I want you to think about 9-11. Close your eyes for a second and just think about that day. Most of us in this room were old enough to experience 9-11 as a grown-up. Uh, during 9-11, I was teaching school in Hinsdale. I was a special education teacher. And I was modifying some kid's curriculum on a computer. And some of the kids came in, and I was sitting in a sewing class. Can you imagine that? I learned how to sew that year. It was amazing. I was sitting in the sewing class, and somebody had turned on a TV, and we saw the image on the TV of the Twin Towers under attack. And we got right to the point where the second plane hit and we knew that it wasn't an accident. Do you remember that feeling, that moment when you realized that we were under attack and that it wasn't an accident? And do you remember what happened next? The whole country, it seemed like, flocked to God. In that moment, it seemed like there were signs everywhere. There were billboards. There were churches that were being packed Sunday after Sunday. It seemed like the whole American culture flocked to God and wanted to know Yahweh instead of just the little G God that maybe they had known before 
Do you remember that? Do you remember how an awareness of God was heightened for a year or two after 9-11? And then a year or two after that, things kind of settled back down to the way they are now, a pluralistic American society, right? But for just a brief moment in those days, remember how just about everybody wanted to know God, to protect us, to save us, to give us hope and a purpose and a future. Because we faced the fear of a future that we didn't know about, I want to share with you a scripture. This is from Matthew chapter 11. These are the words of Jesus. He says this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, all you who are resting in the bowels of a ship running from God, and I will give you what? Rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, I want to draw attention to this idea. Do you guys know what a yoke is? What's a yoke? We don't have any farmers in the room, but I think we've learned enough about agriculture. We can talk about yokes, right? What is a yoke? It's, uh, it's a harness that is used on who? On animals. And what do they do with it? They use it to pull a plow, right? So there's work being done. But when Jesus is referring to the yoke, what he's talking about is that every single one of us chooses the yoke upon which or through which they will do the work of life. Every one of us chooses it. We can choose a yoke in life that is heavy and burdensome. This is the yoke of running from God, of trying to be your own God, of trying to do things your own way. Jesus says, you come to me and I'm going to replace that heavy and burdensome yoke with a yoke that is light and burdenless because every one of us is going to wear a yoke. We're all going to wear one and the choice is ours through Jesus as to whether it's going to be a heavy burdensome one in the bowels of a ship running from God or if it's going to be light, if it's going to be livable if it's going to be doable. And Jesus even says on the backside of that, he says, you will find rest for your souls. In fact, he says, when that yoke falls upon you, you're going to find rest in your soul. Now that seems like a paradox, right? Because he's putting a yoke on you, isn't he? No, he's not putting a yoke on you. He's taking a yoke off of you and giving you rest. By replacing it with his yoke, which is light and gives life and purpose and meaning. Don't think of it as God putting burden on you. Think of it as God removing burden from you. And when Jonah's cast overside and and goes down into the water, he's probably feeling the depths and the heaviness of that yoke. And then all of a sudden he gets lifted up. The scripture says this in verse 30. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can you imagine how Jonah would have felt being scooped up by the whale in that first push momentum of the whale's movement? Can you imagine what that would have felt like? Now, it was stinky in there and dark. It was covered in some kind of acid that probably burned his skin. It was probably very hard to breathe or there near impossible, 
right? But for that moment, he felt lifted up, didn't he? From the weight of his own body going down in the depths. God has a plan for each one of us. And the plan is a message that is not burdensome. It is light and airy and easy, meaning it's not always easy to share our faith verbally, but it is the yoke of Jesus that will bring life and light to us. What are we saying? We're saying that Jesus saves us. He reconciles us with God. He redeems us and rebirths us into a brand new life. But it is a life that is um, full of purpose. It is a life that is filled with God's plan. And when we seriously take a hold of that plan, when we take that yoke upon us through Jesus, we realize that Jesus is replacing that old burdensome yoke with something new and light. And when that happens... Not only do other people's lives change, but whose life changes? My life. And my life will never be the same. And I will never have to get into a ship and run from God again. Because once I discover what he does in me and through me, I'm never going to want a taste of that old life again. You see where Jonah is going with your life and mine? Three days in the belly of the whale or welly of the veil... Three days and nights, just like the days and nights Jesus spent. And when he spent them, he won a new life for you and me. So question today, are you running from God? If you are, you need to know that God's whale is waiting for you. He's waiting to swallow you whole. And when he does... He's going to give you a taste of the life of Jesus that came out of the grave. Do you believe that? If you believe that, say amen. Amen, I do. I hang on to that with everything I've got in the Holy Spirit. Pray you do too with me. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us a glimpse of the three days and three nights in the belly of the earth as three days and nights in the belly of a great fish. God, as we find ourselves with those choices of which yoke am I going to wear, remind me every day, God, that you've given me a yoke that is burdensome, not burdensome, but is light and is easy. And it is the yoke of the message of God. Let us not take that lightly, but quite seriously, because you have given us a new life in it and through it. So God, as we worship you now and as we remember you now, let us spend some time over the next week with you in the darkness of the whale, knowing that you are there and that in just a few days we see the light again, the light of your plan and your purpose and your power. In your name we pray and together we say amen and amen.